30 plus years of service. Combat medals, citations, only man to shoot down three enemy planes in the last 40 years. Yet you can't get a promotion, you won't retire. Despite your best efforts, you refuse to die. You should be at least a two-star admiral by now. Yet here you are. Captain. Why is that? It's one of life's mysteries, sir. Cheers to Scientology. Welcome back to <laughs> Not Your Weekly Sports Pod. Doing another not of the Not Your Weekly Sport Pod segments with the god of Scientology himself. My, what to do, my G. What to do. Shout out to our boy L. Ron Hubbard. Shout out to his servant, his hand, his right-hand man, much the same way that Jesus Christ is the right-hand man of the Lord of the Texans, Jack Easterby. Tom Cruise is the same to Lord L. Ron Hubbard. And we're here to discuss the modern marvel, the masterpiece, the Xenog-like discovery that is Top Gun Maverick. Nabil, talk to me, bro. Bro, what can we say, man? I mean, I think you just put it in the most eloquent way when one man could have ever thought to say it tell to another man. Yeah, bro, this was... Uh, fucking cruise at its best bro like this is uh it's crazy to say that this man is still 60 years old giving us fucking you know epics that we're gonna remember for the next 20 years is our version terminator 2 like this is fucking a1 shit that we got to witness in the year 2022 fam a movie like 30 years in the making you know a first in many ways a landmark symbolic and representative of larger issues in the actual cinematic scene at a very watershed moment here with COVID and everything else in the box office and theaters, you know, something you follow closely, Nabil, from the beginning of COVID. But nonetheless, it's here, <laughs> and we were treated to it in grand fashion. Amen. You saw it in IMAX the first time? Me and you, fam. That's right. Fucking me. We saw Thursday. it opening. Yeah, we literally saw, saw it opening day in IMAX. We are true cinephiles. Please, what a, yes. What a fucking spectacle oh it my was. God. It, Memorial Day landmark. Top Gun Maverick. Talk me through that, bro. Bro, it's it's so crazy to know the fact that, like, you know, we, we saw this movie on Thursday, and I was kind of surprised. I don't know about you. When we went, and it was a fucking packed house. Yeah. I was This is the first non-Marvel movie I've seen that we went... And truly, I felt like this, you know, the movie, the, the movies were back for the summer, right? There's always that one movie like pre-COVID that would start the summer blockbuster off. And for us this year, I think this is kind of a comparison of like, you know, we're kind of getting over COVID really per se when a movie like this that had no business doing the, the box office numbers that it did, you know, is grossing over $612 million in just fucking 20 days. Like, this is an unprecedented. Like, we had no idea that Cruise at 60 would be netting this type of, like, you know, this type of movie, this much, you know, universal love and praise. It, it's it's truly shocking, man. I, I don't think we've had a, a dude like, um, like Cruise in, uh, since, you know, the 40s and 30s that fucking raked this shit on just on, like, amazing technical achievement. And, you know, just pure star power because of it, too. It's wild. 160 million opening four-day record. 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. 99% audience rating. Broke Pirates of the Caribbean at world's end record of 140 million. And broke his own record of War of the Worlds. I think it was like 50 million. And Oblivion as well. Did pretty well. And, yeah, I mean, there's so much to say about 
everything you outlined, Nabil. First and foremost, yeah, this is Cruz kind of like championing the industry, right? There was a long chronicling of this movie going all the way back to 29, July of 2019 when it was first uh, scheduled to be released all the way through 2022 where Cruz was fighting you know, the studio and the entire movie industry, it felt like, for no streaming. He said, this is not, this is going to be no streaming. And as it stands now, Paramount Plus is going to stream it 45 days after oh, its wow. theatrical release. Oh, wow. They did stick to 45. All right. Yeah. So, like, when you think about all the other big movie stars in our day, right? You think about Leonardo. He's done Don't Look Up with Netflix. Mm-hmm. You think about, uh, you can go down the list, bro. Yeah. I'm not going to do the, the whole thing, the whole dance, but every major star has in some way dipped into the streaming world. And Tom Cruise is, you know, the scene he has with the general where they say, your breed is a dying breed, you know. He has that whole moment, and Maverick turns around and looks Ed Harris in the eyes and says, maybe so, but not today. Done. And that's, I think that's Tom Cruise saying to the industry, maybe, you know, maybe this little moment in the dust we had with COVID where we were like, bro, are theaters ever going to come back? Are we stuck with streaming forever? Maybe that day does come, <coughs> but not today. Boom. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's such a throwback to just everything you said, man. And and, uh, and I think yeah. there was a movie recently that I think this relates to, which Talk is important, me. bro. Which one? The Last Duel. Okay. That's, That's the Ridley sure. Scott movie. Yeah. Right? So this is a movie where the studio put like $125, $150 million into The Last Duel. Tied a big name legendary director in Ridley Scott, a guy who's made legendary movies like Gladiator, Alien, Blade Runner, so on and so forth. Every decade, Ridley Scott has a legendary movie. You tie in Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. Granted, Matt Damon with a fucking mullet. (laughs) But but, yeah, he has a fucking mullet. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Adam Driver in a complex three-part tale a real interesting perspective into what truth is and how perspective plays a role into truth and watch that movie bomb in the box office. I think it hurts movies like this, right? For a studio to see that and for them to say, Hey, you know what? Why am I going to fucking throw $150 million at your, you know, risque idea at your little artsy idea when I can just, Check out the next superhero movie. Or you know what? Let's do another remake. Everyone knows the name. Let's just bank off the name recognition. Movies like this, like Top Gun Maverick, grounded in reality, made off of practical effects. You know, and we're not talking home practical, hundreds of million dollars. Yeah, of sure. Terminator 2, James Cameron level of practical yeah. effects. I think this kind of saves the day for them. Because we were headed in a direction that I think this somewhat steers us away from yeah no i i couldn't agree more with you bro like it's it's the facet of having like you know 100 the whole conversation apparently went that jerry bruckheimer and jerry bruckheimer essentially end up meeting tom cruise and uh, kaczynski in paris when they're actually um looking at mission impossible and you know getting that taped as well and bruckheimer is with them and they're st- saying like you know they got really kaczynski's good doing the, the next mission impossible yeah, yeah, because since he's doing the okay. uh, uh, doing the next Mission Possible, Dead Reckoning. Um, yes, uh, so I believe so. So it was happening. Yeah, so they went there, and then essentially for Top Gun Maverick, Bruckheimer brought two extremely competent writers, wrote the script, and then essentially Cruz just said, "Yeah, uh, he calls Paramount. This is how fucking amazing this shit is. It's wild." He calls Paramount, and says, "Yeah, I want to do Top Gun 2. and Bruckheimer sort of drops 160 mil right there and says, "Yeah, let's do it." It's fucking wild, dude. 
I didn't know, nobody expected that, but I mean, kudos to, you know, people like Jerry Bruckheimer. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Despite its many setbacks too. Like, you know, we talked about COVID already. The director of the original, Tony Scott, yeah. who's known for some legendary movies, you know, aside from Top Gun, Days of Thunder, Enemy of the State, Unstoppable, uh, a lot of other good ones too. He kills himself. And they have to replace him with John Kaczynski and, you know, keep the project alive, essentially. And here it is, bro. Wait, talk to me, bro. What makes this? You mentioned a, a movie that's very close to my heart and maybe a hot take of sorts when you consider it standing in, in the pantheon of legendary movies of its genre, that being the sci-fi or action genre. You mentioned T2 Judgment Day. You said this film is the greatest action movie since T2 Judgment Day. That's a bold claim. And that's a claim that in my country of Iran would probably have you <laughs> hung from a crane. Beautiful. So talk that's to me. What job. makes this a movie that if I'm living in Iran, I'm going to have the man with the black suit and the suitcase deliver to me in VHS? Well, at least he's not American. You know, I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the difference. Well, other than the true pride of nationalism that this movie provokes more than anything else. God damn right. <laughs> the, like, I love it. Like, our Navy rates uh, have fucking skyrocketed for another 40%. It's, it's, we, we always need a movie like this in a generation. Uh, but no, to the effect of, like, I think we, when we judge sci-fi movies, fam, I think we judge sci-fi movies not by the practical effects that they have, but I think the practical they ha- effects they have for their era that they're in. T2 was something, you know, in the 90s. We have never fucking seen this shit. You know, Stan Winston Productions blows this shit out of the park. And here you have, you know, Cruz in his 60s. At the same time, just saying, nope, fuck it. We're going to fly F-18s and all you fuckers are going to get certified and do this shit. And we're going to have everybody record F-18s at like 50 50 feet away from you. It's shit we've never seen before. And at the end of the day, when we look at the root cause of like the the true breakdown of the story, you know, T2 was a simple, like a, a fairly like, you know, not too complex story. But again, the execution was the greatest execution we've seen for a decade. Uh, in sci-fi that's what this was too the story wasn't that strong it wasn't that really like when you think about it really that you know anything of that nature a lot of tropes exactly yeah but i have never seen a better executed action movie since t2 in my opinion like there was no waste of excess scene each scene had a meaning to it and you were glued like from the especially if you've watched the first top gun i feel like i think you know uh, regardless if you did or not but especially if you did like that nostalgia and the way it gets you like it was perf- like perfectly executed. And I think with the next couple of movies, I hope they don't fall into the Terminator trope of this as well, in which they just completely fuck down from here after making all their money grab. But if they do do spinoffs, I hope they're to the standard of what we saw with T2 in that. We'll, we'll, well. Come, we'll come back to that. I got you. There's a yeah. segment of this episode we're going to dedicate to that that I think you'll appreciate. But Start off, man. It, you know, it, it feels real, right? Yeah, 100%. They spent more than a year with the Navy. And they had like four cameras in the cockpit towards the actors, four facing away, cameras mounted all over the exteriors to capture all those different shots. There's something about a movie that doesn't feel, you know, computer generated. When we're getting fed all these Marvel movies where the third act of all all of them is a big superhero fight against a CGI monster, right? When something's grounded in this and has characters that are fleshed out and the focus of the story is so narrow, I think well executed, like you said, can allow for something really special on screen. And yeah, bro, like what an experience. I if you're gonna pre there's no pre gaming this movie. This movie is enough of a game. To, like you, you can pre game it with like a glass of warm milk. <laughs> That's <laughs> cookies and that milk and cookies. Cookies bro. and milk. Maybe like don't even take a bag of Skittles with you because if you make noise, the people around you are going to be so on edge, <laughs> you might catch an elbow to the face. But 
they even the actors themselves went through a three month boot a navy boot camp led by Tom Cruise to get their asses in shape. Can you imagine being led by Tom Cruise, a fifty nine year old man, <laughs> destroying any notion of fitness you thought you may have had in your life? No, bro, it's the poster Scientology, bro. That's it. Yeah. He's just yelling like, "Zinu would not be happy." Or he's whipping you, trying to get your ass back. It's like the guy who was the guy from. P90X, Tony Horton. Tony, yeah, something like that. I think so. Yeah, you know the Scientology <laughs> Tony Horton, Tom Cruise. Oh man. So yeah, bro. I believe you, bro. I believe you. So you know the the OG Top Gun from '86 got nominated for four Oscars and ended up winning the best song mm-hmm. was the only one that it won. I think it won the two sound categories, editing and then song were the four. This one, you know, the Oscars are a big top part of the talk we have here. Before we go into categories, you know what? I, I think it's going to be up for all the technicals. And I don't see why, how it doesn't win. There's no movie that'll come close to this in the technical awards. I think it sweeps that. Other than that, though, best score? Yeah. Right? Hans oh Zimmer? Gosh. Yeah, that thing, yeah. Lady Gaga, potentially best song? Maybe. We'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see by the end of the year. Screenplay, directing. I think you got to get nominations. Is this a possible Oscar? For best picture, man, you would love to as like a fan, but there's just some sort of bias that the Oscar community in California still has against action movies and not believing that they're on par with, you know, these other movies that just have the most complex, you know, and beautiful fucking plots you've ever seen. I think the, the general public appreciates this. And it's honestly a real, like, there's, it's, you know, it's not pretentious in any way from, from any facet. I think you know, from whatever, wherever demographic you are, I think you would enjoy this movie. But I think there's a certain demographic that essentially wants to watch these Oscar movies and the Oscars, the people that are there also have like a, a certain bias towards, you know, that, that fortunately I don't think we're at a pace where a sci-fi movie like this is going to win the Oscar or even get nominated for best picture. I would, I would love it, but I just don't see it. You think Tom Cruise has a Oscar nomination in form in this movie? Ooh, I mean, if he doesn't get it for any Ethan Hawke in any no. of the Mission Impossible movies, I don't see him getting it. Yeah, here. I don't see it either. I think it's, again, the, the bias of action movies. That's it. Yeah. It's horrible. Speaking of Tom Cruise, man, I don't know. <laughs> if we had this conversation off pod. We have to include it here, obviously, before because there's a lot of good additives, right? There's a lot of good. There's the curry sauce. There's the white rice. <laughs> but the, the chicken, the chicken masala. <laughs> With the sauce and everything, that's Tom Cruise. I like it. Tom Cruise is the chicken masala of this movie. <laughs> so when you focus on Tom Cruise, bro, he's really like LeBron. We, you talk about the greatest, <laughs> the greatest of all time, for real. You talk about the goats, and you look at their careers, and you talk about primes. LeBron's had three primes, bro. Yeah. Right. He had the the original Cleveland Athletic prime. The Miami Prime and then the late Cleveland L.A. Prime. Mm-hmm. The one two years of L.A. And then he rode Anthony Davis's testicles through the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tom Cruise, can we go through his LeBron Primes real quick? Yeah. And, yeah, and we got we to come to a decision as to what his greatest, his peak is. For sure. What his prime is, so to speak. First prime from 86 to 96. First yeah. 10 years of his career is an MJ-like prime. Yep. Drops Top Gun. Rain Man. Mm-hmm. A few good men yep. in the original Mission Impossible. Yeah, Boom. Well, fuck. Like four legends. Four legendary iconic movies with yeah. Oscar performances and groundbreaking in their genre and cinema at the time. Mm-hmm. 96 to 08, The Lost Years, mm-hmm. where he's not necessarily the face of these movies, but he's just 
in some unreal productions. Unreal productions like Stanley Kubrick's last movie, Fuck Eyes yeah. Wide Shut. Yeah. Still haven't uh, seen it. It's wild. <laughs> it's, it's, worth it's, a watch? It, yeah, in the right state of mind it is. Okay. Okay, interesting. We'll discuss off pod. <laughs> Steven Spielberg's Minority Report. Okay. The Last Samurai, one of my favorites. I agree. Michael Mann's Collateral. Again, Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds. And MI3 and 2 with Seymour Hoffman in the third. Yeah. And John Woo fucking directing too. John Woo and the fucking pigeons, bro. <laughs> <laughs> the pigeons will <laughs> not leave John Woo. Um, and then his final prime, which is his active prime from 2011 to now, you're going to get the last three Mission Impossible movies fucking after good. Dead Reckoning come yeah. out. And I think Fallout's the best, personally. Yeah. The, the most recent one. I would agree. Oblivion, which was very underrated sci-fi oh, flick. Edge of Tomorrow, very, very under... One of the most Maybe. underrated movies of the... De- I would put it up there like as top three most underrated movies of the decade, if not the winner of that award. And then Top Gun Maverick. Wow. A shorter list, but in terms of its effects for cinema, the box office, and scope and marketability, I mean, this is his biggest moment. Right now, what he's doing, this is LeBron in L.A. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a solid comparison. I knew that there'd be some way we'd bring LeBron to this podcast. And uh, I think you've just made like Tom Cruise just blush his fucking pants by telling him that he's LeBron James. That's it. You know, I don't know if LeBron is a God fearing man, but he's, <laughs> you know, maybe Zenu fears him. And Tom Cruise on the next uh, uninterrupted. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think we can get this. We can get this setup going for him. Beautiful. But of those three primes, which one would you take? What's his like magnus opus? Oh, man. I, for me right now, like. Personally, I would say, like, you know, I would say right now for me, like, this is wild. Like, it may be less in quantity. I think COVID has something to do with it, but I don't think this prime is over at all. Like, we're still, we still have a whole, like, his, fi- his final two Mission Impossible movies that he's going to do. And you know, Tom Cruise is not going to go out, like, fucking missing. Hey, on he's going to go to space. Yeah. Like, this is, he's, li- this is going to be some crazy. He's going to learn how to fly in yeah. outer space. <laughs> This is going to be the last action movie that, that Tom Cruise is ever going to do. And we're about to witness it on top of just starting this off with like, you know, Fallout, Top Gun, and now the final two Mission Impossible movies. This is going to be wild. Yeah. So. I think 96 to 08 is tough because a lot of those movies are some of my favorite movies ever. Yeah. Like Mission Impossible 3 is my personal favorite Absolutely. of the Mission Impossible series because of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, it, it does all the fucking, all the bullshit J.J. Abrams stuff that you expect J.J. <laughs> Abrams to do. You get a lot of lens flare too, of course. Um, and also Last Samurai is my personal favorite yeah. Tom Cruise movie of all time. And him jumping on Oprah's couch, I think, adds points to his prime. But yeah, dude, 11 to now, the impact on Hollywood. I think in terms of impact, it's 11 to now. In terms of volume and career accolades, it's his initial 10 years. I would agree. And in terms of like fan favorites and cult following, those middle years. No, I agree. I think like you're completely right with that. Yeah, I think that, that, that middle year cruise is whenever you had like, it was, it was just him trying to do blockbuster. That, that was him paying the tax man. I think that, <laughs> that, that those were the years of Scientology you took a lot of money from him. So no, there were a lot, a lot of one-on-one therapy sessions being recorded in that time frame. So you had to get Steven Spielberg to give you 100 mil to do fucking War of the Worlds. Here you go. All right, let me put you on the spot here, bro. Top five Tom Cruise movies right now. Go. In I'm assuming just in, in general. Just throw them out there. I'm uh, assuming Maverick. Maverick's in here. Yeah, Maverick's in there for me. You and I both. Uh, a Few Good Men. A Few Good Men, you and I both. Okay. Uh, Rain Man. Okay. Uh, fuck. Jerry Maguire. Of course. Um, 
Shit. No That's Ethan. what I'm saying. The original Top Gun. No Ethan Hunt. Oh fuck. Yeah, I mean Ethan Hunt has. To be, I, I don't know which version you take. Like, oh yeah, it's top five. Yeah, Fallout. Either either say the first Fallout. three versions of Ethan Hunt or the last three. The last three versions. Of Ethan last Ethan three Hunt. Ethan yeah. Hunt. Wow. Yeah. Nice. I got a few good men. I think the court scene with. So there's few times where you witness the baton being passed. Mm-hmm. The court scene with Cruz and Jack Nicholson is on YouTube. I was rewatching it today before the episode. And that's literally, you're watching Jack Nicholson take it to another gear in a movie where he's been the fuck, he's been that dude every time he's on screen and crew stand his ground and take it up another gear as well. Yeah. That fucking thunderous scene. Rewatch it tonight if you have a chance. Oh, for to. sure I did. <laughs> I saw it two days ago just like you. The OG Mission Impossible for me, just it creates the world of Ethan Hunt. Like this, yeah. it's iconic. Even though I mentioned Fallout's the best and, I, and MI3 is my favorite. I think if you're making a top five list, OG Ethan Hunt's got to be on here. Jerry Maguire, bro. Show me the money. Show Absolutely. me the fucking money. Him and Cuba. Who would have thought a, a duo like him and Cuba, Cuba Gooding Jr. would be this like iconic? Yeah, he's got to bring Cuba back for, for his <laughs> last move, for the last MI movie. I agree. Make Cuba the bad guy. <laughs> it's like a fucking rapper, YouTube influencer who's trying to take over the world. Um, last Samurai, because it's my personal favorite, and then Top Gun Maverick. Last Samurai like should not work yeah. on, on, a, on the surface. <laughs> a white guy playing a samurai during feudal Japanese war It'd be times. canceled right now. There's no way it comes out today. Yeah, he like grows his hair and a beard out too. He kind of squints when he's oh out fighting with everyone. And it turns into a beautifully told, crafted, you know, and a well-respectful movie to Japanese culture as well in The Last right. Samurai. And yeah, bro, I think we've discussed enough cruise. Let's get into the fucking pod and the actual topics we've got for a rewatchable style. We're going most rewatchables. We're starting this bitch off. We're yeah. going right off the top, the most rewatchable scenes of the movie. We're going to lay out a few and we'll kind of try to come to a decision as to what we think the best is. First thing to be Mach 10. Fuck yeah. Opening scene of the movie is legendary. From the, the second the gong goes off when they the top gun and the gong, gong every time that came on dude but the quarter chub was raging in my <laughs> pants i didn't want to tell you in the theater i didn't want to be weird but the recliners and the, the sound had you good but the fucking score through this whole scene when Cruz is up in the air and he passes mach 9 and he slowly ascends to mach 10 was one of the most like it's been a while since I was in the theater and I like caught myself holding my breath. I'm like, fuck, dude, I need to take a breath. Like, this yeah. is crazy. I'm gripped, like gripping my fucking seat right now. <laughs> this is a random ass military flight scene. This isn't even a battle or an alien invasion or Shang-Chi fighting a dragon death soul eater demon. You know, this is Tom Cruise flying a jet at a record speed with Ed Harris fucking standing in the background with sand splattered all over his face. <laughs> but nonetheless, this is one of the best scenes in the movie. Probably one of the two best scenes in the entire movie for me. And starting off, you you get everything you need to know about this movie. You know everything you need to know about Tom Cruise from this scene saying like, sir, you know what happens if you go any further? And he says, well, I know what happens to everyone else if I don't try. <laughs> right? The selfless but badass dude. Uh, and everything else is an infrastructure and a system working against him becomes the theme of the rest of the movie. And just well done to set the audience up and give a tense, action-filled scene. And a scene, really, where there's no action. There is no action in this scene. And then, of course, capped off with him landing and the little kid telling him, you're on Earth. So, beautiful, bro. That's the number one rewatchable scene. Yeah, bro. For me, like, I, I couldn't... I, I'm, I'm completely with you. Like, I, I didn't think this would be the same, but I, I'm completely with you. Just from the start, like you said, bro. Just, I watched Top Gun, the original Top Gun, like, two weeks ago. So, and I felt, like... 
I, I was watching again. I'm like, oh man, this is the perfect like 80s movie. So like having that nostalgia from two weeks ago and watching it, bro, they literally gave Hans Zimmer the score and we're just like, hey man, redo it to like, you know, to your standards. And from there to Danger Zone playing, you know, right at the perfect oh. time when when F-18 goes off to, you know, right, you know, going into the action to him, you know, I am a fucking sucker and nerd for aviation, fam. Like it is beautiful. Like the project, you know, the project fucking Dark Star, that shit was going on, you know, Mach 10. The fact of like seeing, this is the SR-72 prototype that Lockheed Martin's been working on for the longest time that can go hypersonic speed. So to actually see this here made by Skunk Works, which was an actual division of Lockheed that actually creates these models, make the most realistic fucking future looking, you know, real practical you know, SR-72 prototype that they make here. It, it was fucking just amazing for me to see, bro. So I, I, I love the fact that, you know, this is essentially just a an air show now, just like similar to what Fast and Furious was fucking cars around there. Yeah. Beautiful. And <laughs> like all of that stuff, even if you're not an aviator, like I'm not, I don't care yeah. about aviation. I don't know anything about the latest in military flying jets capabilities. I, very, I know very surface level stuff, but even watching them land the like they were really filming this shit watching them land the jets on these aircraft carriers on these tight narrow short strips in the middle of the sea that was dope yeah. with the score playing in the background like again like everything that makes this film great like we parallel to T2 is the pra- the realness and the practicality of everything being done and that's every aspect of this movie so i don't know if it, i don't know if crews actually like flew down from an exploding jet in the sky but it wouldn't like i i would tell you it's not beyond the realm of possibility from what we've heard from him yeah i mean i i wouldn't be surprised at all i mean apparently what they did in real life obviously they weren't flying the sr-72 it was just a regular f-18 that they cgi'd with the sr-72 to make okay. it look like that so thankfully yeah that'd be amazing if they could but yeah they just they just masked it but honestly yeah it probably did happen what yeah. what do you think they cgi'd in this movie what definitely the real? oh definitely like the like the actual like the any any time like guns are going off aside, up, aside from the combat what yeah. do you think they cgi'd Oh, dude. Oh, uh, the, the skins on the Sukhoi Su-57, like the pretty much the, the felon jet that they had, um, the opponents, there's no way that you actually have like those in the air right now fighting it. It was the same thing. It was just a, an F-18 going next to it and that covered. So that was CGI'd. Um, other than that, I would say all the action sequences actually did happen. Oh, like uh, there was some where we, the only way they're able to do it as well, they had F-14s pretty much just like towed by F-18s and that shit was the, the way that they shot the F-14s that hmm. Cruz was in. Damn. So even like their fucking, you know, fake stunts were like 18,000 feet in the air making people look like shit. That's crazy. It's wild, dude. You think Miles Teller's abs were CGI? Oh, that's a good one. We should probably go, oh man. He wasn't looking this ripped as Reed Richards, was he? I think uh, Cruz gave him a little bit of the potion. You know, yeah. the potion just gave you like 20 years and like 10 million times worth of testosterone. That look, when he walks into the bar, by the way, that's my next most rewatchable scene. Is oh, where, when yeah. they're in the bar and you meet everyone yeah, for the yeah. first time and Cruz <laughs> picks up the bar tab for everyone. Miles Teller in a fucking Hawaii shirt and a, <laughs> and a white a white wife beater and aviator sunglasses. That's a vibe, dude. With the, with the porno stash? With the porno... <sighs> I shouldn't have shaved before this. I'm going on a cruise tomorrow. I could have rocked that. You would have, look, goose, dude. Uh, you would have rooster goose. I could have rooster that bitch. So the bar scene, dude. That's my next rewatchable. Like seeing everyone in their little mini interactions. I'm a sucker for being able to craft a terse, concise scene like this in a real life setting where you, the audience member, can feel like they would catch themselves in, and they 
fucking mingle with their friends or get to know people and shooting pool, playing darts, drinking beer and meet and get to know key components of every single character in that interaction. And then the Tom Cruise staring Miles Teller's character, uh, Rooster, down from the outside having flashbacks of Goose and, you know, having the emotional moment. Again, a, a nice mix of everything you need for a beautiful scene. I loved it, dude. Yeah. No, I couldn't, you couldn't ask anything else about that, bro. Like, that was one of the, that was one of my favorite scenes. And I think just the way that it was executed, like, I think that's, you know, a testament to both the actors that were there um, and, and, you know, how, how they essentially went about presenting that. So, yeah, I was just in shock, man. The, the, that scene was fucking beautiful in all, in all its glory. Yeah, dude. What else you got on here? Bro, the, I mean, what else can we say other than the absolute, like, last 45 minutes? Like, yeah. if that would call that a scene, because there's no way you're turning off, like, you know, right when that 45 minutes started, like, you, you're watching it, you're going to be pretty much hooked all the way through. That was the greatest, you know, pieces of aerial cinematography, I think, we have seen in the history of cinema. And I think it's funny because we have, like, a kind of like a war or a one off and healthy competition, you know, true and true camaraderie and trying to win yourself both in the box office and amongst your peers. But there's kind of a rivalry between Tom Cruise and Christopher Nolan and whoever's able to do like the best practical stunts. And each one has a one up on one of another coming up on it. Nolan essentially just did Dunkirk. And, you know, that, at that point, we called that the greatest, you know, aerial cinematography we had seen in cinema for a very long time. And it was, you know, it was definitely in a class of its own. But Maverick just fucking blew it out of the park when it came to aerial cinematography and how, you know, how to actually do it properly with a, uh, you know, with IMAX cameras and pretty much, you know, good photo clearance and, you know, just good color balance as you should when it comes to fighting. So it's, you know, it, it was pretty wild to see. So I think we're going to see Nolan come back with something a little more impressive. Nolan's going to be like, all right, bro. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to come out and say like, you motherfuckers remember Pearl Harbor with Ben Affleck and Josh Hartnett? I'm about to do that with 2022 <laughs> CGI and practical effects. Let's go. Who would play the the brothers, Ooh. the brother aviators in the sky? Who would be a good pair? Leo is Danny. And then who plays? Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Done. is Ben Affleck's Done. character. Wow. Tell me you're not watching that. Wow. Yeah. I just nutted myself. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Um, yeah, that whole four, starting from when Cruz comes in and he like interrupts the calm. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm going to show you all how it's done. Time, two minutes and 50. He brings the time down to two minutes and 15 seconds. Lowers the altitude and fucking beats it. Doing the laser and shooting the target by himself. Like, that's that's walking into the room after everyone has tried to put a catheter <laughs> into a 400-pound, 80-year-old patient who's a female who you can't see anything of her urethra and you getting it on the first try. That's what it is with, with no help. No one holds the legs open. You do everything yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so Tom Cruise, you'd be a great nurse. Oh my gosh. Yeah, bro. Like there's, uh, yeah, that, there's nothing more you can say about that. Bro. Qu- uh, question for you on the, yeah. that last 45 minutes, bro. When, you know, when Cruise sacrifices himself to save Rooster, I love how we're calling him Cruise. We're not even calling, <laughs> we're not not even calling him Maverick. It's like, yeah, dude, it's, that it's, is fucking Tom Cruise, okay? All the stuff yeah. he does in the movie, that's him in real life. When Mav sacrifices himself for Rooster, bro, there was like a, a solid five or ten seconds where I'm like, oh, shit, like this is the end of the movie. Yeah. You know, like Rooster or Goose died in the first one, and now Mav dies defending his son. Like what a nice full circle. 
And then we get a fucking 45-minute war scene extended after that where basically they're escaping a Soviet state or some fucking... They're in a video game. Basically, it's a video game where you're escaping, stealing a jet, and like taking down multiple fifth-generation fifth fighters. How many times that phrase was used? And they were just like, all right, bro, you're going to have to accept a fifth-generation fighter is a badass that'll kill you. But um, it ended with that like whole sequence you think this movie would have... What's the vibe if it ends with Cruz dying and we don't have that last little act? I think that would then... I think that uh, that would start crossing the barrier between the good and bad and nostalgia because it'd be too much of a throwback and it'd be like, all right, I see what you did, but you could have done more. Especially seeing the, the last war sequences that we had. Bro, like that war sequence... You know, spoiler alert, but I, I had no idea that would happen. I thought we were going to get, like, Mission Impossible Top Gun coming out, you know? Like, this was the, the inner McQuarrie, like, McQuarrieing the fuck out of Tom Cruise. And we were going to see, like, a full chase sequence, and, like, you know, people gunning down. Uh, Tom Cruise trying to gun down a fucking helicopter from a top and some, some shit like that happens. And then you see Rooster coming out of fucking nowhere. You don't even know if it's Rooster in the first place. And, you, you know, something bombs this shit down. That fucking F-18 crashes. And you see a fucking Rooster coming out, like, what the fuck happened? So that was some, you know, I, I had no, that was beautifully executed and then you know the throwback the nostalgia done right the throwback to going to go fucking steal an f-14 the you know the jet that started off for tommy boy oh beautiful like that's yeah that's nostalgia done right man and then you know and then you get to true sci-fi but it it, that's how you do you know positive throwback to like you know respecting your your lore and not actually you know making fun of it like certain seasons of television shows in our last season you know yeah we don't need to talk about that no 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 this is a happy safe space (laughs) um Bro, I'm not going to lie. I, I actually started like crying. I was like tears were streaming down my face when Hangman comes and rescues them oh, at bro. the end. Amen. This is your savior speaking. <laughs> I was at like tears rolling down and I was trying to like look like this so you didn't see me while you were sitting next to me. But it's full like grown ass man crying in a movie theater. That's what an action movie does. Like that's how you know you're, you're a man by American standards right there, bro. God damn right, bro. We grew up in Texas. <laughs> so most rewatchable scene, it's either that last one or the Mach 10. Uh, those two were legendary. Oh, we didn't mention the football on the beach for the ladies. Oh, this is a very non-accessible movie to women in a lot of ways. You know, this proves a lot of ways that all we want is a male savior to come and rescue <laughs> us. And Tom Cruise became that male savior. And you know, that football scene is the one thing women can grasp to is just a bunch of wet, sweaty, muscle laden, just beautifully bronzed men playing football. With one girl, we're we're watching an Abercrombie and Fitch commercial in real life. It was the music, yeah, the music, the vibe. It's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, it's just about to be sunset. Kind of like every one time Republic, you, like yeah, it's the very the vibe of like First Colony Mall when you walk in there and twilight of the day. It's like a nightclub inside the store. It's real, real, real happy times going on there, but well executed, bro. I know. No, I can. You know, it's funny about that sequence as well. Like the Top Gun, uh, the original Top Gun went nine X platinum like for their soundtrack. So this had to meet, you know, something like that. And, you know, you got two top 100 songs already on here. So the amount of money that Top Gun also made off this fucking music is ridiculous. Like this is probably gonna go 9X platinum too. I just want the gong. I want the gong to play. Like, it, if I could, if I had the time, anytime we said Top Gun or Tom Cruise or Maverick, I would edit in the gong to just bang as loud as it can and be melded in with our voices. But I'm not that talented of an individual, nor do I have that kind of free time. So let's go into what aged the best, bro. You got anything that aged the best? Oh, my Or you gosh. think will age the best going forward? Oh, no. I mean, what else is there other than the aerial cinematography, bro? Like, this is going to be, again, Terminator standards. Yeah, like, dude, we're going to watch this movie 20 years from now and just say, how the fuck did they do this? 
Like this is gonna, you know, and that's the beauty of it that when you actually do practical effects, I think acting has the most, uh, you know, piece to it. Because I mean, it's crazy when we talk about the Marvel movies, you have to get such, you know, great actors that are like, you know, actors, actors like true thespians to be able to run these movies because it's you're doing CGI. You have to literally make believe the whole thing. But you know, when you do these practical effects, you can get average actors and you know exhort amazing all-time performances from them. Like, there's no reason, like, the, you know, the side cast of Monica Barbaro, the guy who plays Payback, like, the Cyclone, Bob, like, all the, Hangman, like, all these guys that aren't, like, amazing actors, but just throw the greatest performance they ever had just because they're actually in a fucking F-18, you know, behind the, behind the cockpit, and you're getting real fucking performances from them. So there's something to that, in my opinion, as well, which I, I, I know you completely agree with that, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I fully agree with that, and... For Marvel to be able to pull it off with all that is is impressive on its own too. Yeah, this is it. This is going to be the standard bear. You know, every movie is going to be compared to this. You're not going to fucking go and like watch Skyman and the Future of Tomorrow <laughs> with Jude Law and think like, wow, they really did the planes right in that movie. You know, it's you're going to see stuff like that and think this is this is what the VHS players used to be made for. Movies like this. Yeah. <laughs> so I got. Miles Teller and Jorts, I think, is going to be just his whole <laughs> outfit, dude. I'm still stuck on it. I know. I know. I should get over it, but he had a really nice look. Um, and then the fucking fifth generation fighters. Just uh, th- has there been a movie phrase, like a, a character or a threat phrase, where they said it in the movie and they just expected you to accept that being such an intimidating thing? Like, when did fifth generation fighters ever sound so dangerous in any other setting without being explained the thing is we've heard ethan hunt talk about like some of the scariest shit in the world so we're just like oh that's just tom cruise saying like some ethan hunt shit to us like yeah. <laughs> we don't know what the fuck he's saying but sure it's a badass what was it he was chasing in like mission Impossible three the golden the gold yeah some bullshit uh, like that remember, <laughs> but yeah fifth generation fighters well done they actually i would say like they compared it to like how scary the fucking like you know, you actually saw how crazy the T-1000 is, but just by, like, the way that the T-1000 was done, like, actually showing how scary it was versus them hyping it up to that point. Yeah, it was some second-level fucking levels of hype that we're seeing with that. Yeah, the, the one scene where the fucking fifth-generation <coughs> fighter just pauses and kind of floats in the air and allows uh, Rooster to fly past him and then turns the engine back on when it's upside down and gets right behind him. That's some pretty... Amazing shit. That, that was like, you know, seeing the fucking the Terminator turn his arm into like liquid metal yeah. and extend it for the first time. You're like, oh, fuck, it can do, it can do that? Okay. <laughs> to do that to a character known as the fifth generation fighter is, is well done. It's wild, dude. And they kept it so real to aviation. Like, this, so this is one thing I like, I like, hate about the movie. We'll get into it. But like, bro, that's, an, that's a Sukhoi SU-57, right? Like that's Russian intelligence. Like that's Russia's equivalent to our F-22 Raptor that we have here. So it's like, all right, we say unnamed enemy, but we know that's proprietary Russian technology right there that's being shown right there. So I like the subtle jab at that and throwing the title You, you know there. what's funny? My dad, uh, I, I'm sure this is the topic of conversation everywhere where this movie is banned. But, <laughs> but my dad was like, Vala, you know, they're saying in Iran, Top Gun, it's no good because <laughs> it is just propaganda against Iran and it wants yeah. to get American people the ready for facility. war against Iran, nuclear facility, uranium enrichment, the whole shebang. I'm like, Dad, that's you could literally apply that to any of our enemies right now. Yeah. And I'm 
maybe that is one of the you know motivating factors of this movie. Maybe it's a background effect, but it's not the prime focus. No, not and at all. And it's never suffocating to the degree where you're like, okay, this is fuck. This is some lone survivor type shit. No, for sure. I, I completely agree about that as well. And I think the main thing about it as well, I think this was, again, like one of those nostalgia aspects done right because Tom Cruise shot down the MiGs, right? The MiG-30s. Those were Russian planes back in the original Top Gun. So, hey, you just had the most, you know, and the thing is, there was, there was no disparaging this Russian jet. We're claiming that this Russian jet is more superior to anything that the fucking U.S. Navy has right yeah, there. Yeah, so. because of them, it's yeah. now about the fucking person in the cockpit. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I, I think this was done completely, like, well from that standpoint as well. I don't, I don't really don't think there was that much U.S. like nostalgia. Uh, I think, like, still at the end of the day, absolutely, this is an American war propaganda movie. Like, this is, this is uh, you know, this generation's version of trying to get the, you know, the 18-year-olds in the military as fast as they can out of high school. And it's working. Uh, but yeah, no, I... To that point, not. Yeah, yeah. I I think this does more to. Th- this puts the military in the best possible light of any other movie I've seen. We'll have a we'll have a deeper discussion yeah, about sure. this later on in the episode. Anything you think aged the worst? Jennifer Conley? How did she age? Bro, she's gorgeous. Like, there's yeah. no reason a fifty year old woman should be looking like how that. How like, off the top of your head right now? How old is she? Fifty two. Fifty two. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. When I asked my mom, she thought Cruz was fifty two and Connolly was sixty. Oh my gosh. She, yeah. Yeah. She said Connolly had aged horribly. I'm yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, she's a fifty two year old chick who still looks stunning. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And to me, like, dude, like to that point, bro, like, it's li- like it's crazy to see. I think what's aged the worst is gonna be. I remember talking about like getting this as well. But, like, Tom Cruise claiming that he hasn't gotten stiff plastic surgery. Like, Tom, you're not fooling anybody, bro. There's no way a 60-year-old man looks like that. And like, you have gotten million dollars worth of fucking shit done to your face. Keep yeah. it good in no, there, There's yeah. interviews in the last, like, year and a half where he looks like a completely different person Absolutely. than he does now. And to this day, he claims that he's never gotten any plastic surgery. And it's just like, Tom, claim it, bro. There's no way. Like, yeah. like you, you are not a god. Like, Doesn't maybe, Scientology believe that there are, like, reptiles underneath? I think so. I think that's what Tom... About, yeah, Tom's giving yeah. up the secrets to everybody. Maybe that's what he's saying. He's, his scales grow, or his <laughs> scales regrow. Um, yeah. I think other age of the worst is Cruz not having any stunts in space. Like, yeah. he didn't have any life-altering stunts in this movie. That's other than, like, riding in a fucking F-18 <laughs> the entire time. No, hey, I'm not gonna lie. The close, it was like the, I think the closest they could have gotten with something was going hypersonic in the Mach 10, you know, SR 72 fucking plane in the beginning with that amazing Hans Zimmer Dark Star fucking you know score playing in the background. That's making like <laughs> already this man's going to the fastest plane in the world. And you're getting Hans Zimmer just fucking like you know inceptioning the fuck out in the background. What would you have done if the score of fucking Interstellar started playing as he's hitting oh, Mach it'd be, 10? It'd be full tears, bro. Yeah, yeah, it'd be full tears. Like there's just a, I mean, you're yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you and I would have had to embrace. Oh my gosh! We'd have to held held each other and like a good co cry would have been called for for sure. Um, Yeah, dude. It's Uh, wild. We never thought we'd see like Hans Zimmer. You know, Tom Cruise and Hans Zimmer are also a thing now too. Like it's you know it's it's wild. Like they've been fucking movies too. What what great Hollywood? So you know, Cruise doing all these stunts. You know, he fucking learned how to fly a helicopter in the last Mission Impossible movie. So no actor he ever works with can ever say shit to him. He's gonna be like. I did that, so why can't you do this, bitch? <laughs> um, you know, he's done cr- the crazy Dubai stunts that he did for Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol. Oh my gosh. Unreal. Yeah. Um, so on and so forth. Yeah. What actor, what great, like, movie star actor you think wouldn't do any of the shit that Cruz did for this movie? Bro, none. Like, are you kidding me? Like, none of them would do this stuff? Like, just, I mean, I'm saying just fly in a jet. Because really the only stunts they had to do were actually being in the jets and, like, being filmed. Yeah, I think the problem is, man, like, the, the amount of fucking toll that takes putting seven Gs on your body and, like, 
going through that countless numbers of times, like that's the equivalent of like 3000 pounds on your chest and you're having to go through so many physical tests to even be able to pass that shit. They said the only actor during the whole like filming of this thing that didn't throw up at all was Monica Barbaro. Wow. Everybody else threw up at least a couple of times. That's, that's what, they put that in there because this movie failed the Bechdel test. Of like, we're going to make up the story of Monica <laughs> being the only one not to throw up. This is coming from the words of Jerry Bruckheimer, apparently. Yeah. Take it for what it is. <laughs> I think she was the Ansel Bechdel test. There wasn't a scene where she wasn't talking about either like Rooster or Maverick or yep. the guys. That's it. Or Hangman. <laughs> or Hangman. He just leaves you out to hang. Hey. It's like, did y'all fuck? Is that like, is there a sexual implication here? I mean, I don't think so, but just the way you said all that, I don't know, dude. Um, so yeah, well said. I don't know. I, can you see like, I feel like Leo would go through all that. Leo would put him, Tom Hardy would. would put himself through all that. I think to work with someone like this cast of guys. But I think it also demands like the IP of the original Top Gun. And for like literally this man, because no other fucking studio, in my opinion, would say like, yeah, you know what? A, an airplane movie with, with DiCaprio doing that. Let's see how that goes like versus yeah. what we have for Marvel movies. But Car- Cruise is literally in the pockets of fucking Paramount like no other. Like he's their cash cow because Paramount doesn't have Marvel or anything like that. Cruise calls and says, I want a second Top Gun. They'll just throw anything who wants that. Paramount's doing the Mission Impossible too, yep. right? Yep. That's all, their whole fucking brand now is just, all right, Cruise is going to make us like half a billion dollars for everything. Paramount Cruise. That's it. They should just call their streaming service Paramount cruising. Paramount Cruise, yeah. <laughs> you are now Cruise cruising. <laughs> Cruise Plus. And the fuck Paramount Plus are calling Cruise Plus. <laughs> we actually feature all the great Tom Cruise movies in history. We actually have a documentary. And we have exclusive footage of some of the interviews he did with the Church of Scientology. <laughs> this one's featured. Those are the ads. <laughs> this one's featured my secret Botox surgery. <laughs> <laughs> uh, done 100 streams. <laughs> Let me see here, bro. What kind of half-assed internet research do you have for this? Oh, man. I mean, it's just all research that's, like, actually based on aviation of... It's it's amazing. Like, honestly, like, this was the equivalent of you going to the auto show in Houston, Texas. This was the equivalent of you going to the fucking, you know, the, the best that, you know, human... Air, you know, airspace technology has ever created this man, like this part of mankind. It was Lockheed Martin showing off their dick to like every other country. Like, yes, bitch, the F-22 still reigns supreme and we still have the greatest, you know, air superiority fighters that y'all can even have to try with fifth generation fighters. Mm. But at the same time, seeing, Su- you know, Sukhoi Su-57s, which are kind of like, you know, Russia's amazing um, fifth generation fighter that, you know, still is in production, but, you know, should be decimating any, you know, third generation or fourth generation U.S., uh, you know, fighter fighter jet that you may have as well. So this is just honestly seeing like two of the greatest, you know, pieces of technology out in the world right now, realistically how it looked like coming out and then seeing, you know, future technology as well in which the Mach 10, you know, SR-72 that they showed running, you know, Mach 10 originally with Tom Cruise. Um, they're saying that that's going to go into production in the next 10 years for the U.S. military, U.S. Space Force. So that's crazy to think that we're going to have that thing in real life in 10 years too, man. Space Force, dude. Shout out Tom. Shout out Donald Trump. <laughs> Space Force. Can Boom. you imagine like Top Gun three in space? What's space where Force? he's in space and like the fucking John Hamm character is Donald Trump. Trump. <laughs> he has to report like you just get scenes where they're in a boardroom. It's kind of like the fucking Apprentice, where Trump's firing <laughs> the fuck the, the students one by one. <laughs> I think we just did it, bro. Yeah, we, we made, made Top, Top Gun, Gun three. <laughs> we, we made a trilogy. Let's go. We did it, son. Tom Cruise gets promoted to Space Force. <laughs> Who's the Secretary of State for Top Gun Three? Oh gosh! Oh, dude, you have to—you would have to do Tropic Thunder in space. It would have to be Robert. You'd have to throw Ben Stiller or Robert Downey Jr. in it. God, can you? Imagine? Or Jack Black. Jack, 
Jack Platt, he's the press secretary. Oh, my God. He means he greets the press every day <laughs> and farts. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Bro, they, uh, speaking of like all the technology and all the pinnacle of achievements in aviation, 800 hours of footage shot surpassing the great, the greatest trilogy ever, uh, Lord of the Rings, in Absolutely. hours of total footage shot. Miles Teller said they went through, they, he wanted like a bird to be the call sign to give homage to Goose, his father. He said they went through like hundreds, if not quoting his words, if not thousands of call signs. What are, what are like the worst bird call signs he could have made? Hummingbird? Hummingbird would be bad. Yeah. Uh, hummingbird would be pretty bad. What about uh, Peckerwood? Peckerwood would be pretty bad. Yeah. Woodcock? Woodcock would be pretty bad. Woodcock would be pretty funny though. <laughs> Tweety. Tweety would be hilarious. Yeah. That'd be, ooh, that's how you, that, that's the only way you'd be able to claim that this movie was woke. Yeah. Call him Tweety. Yeah. Ooh. So that's $100 million less right there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a lot of implications as well. You got to make it like as fucking down the middle as you possibly can with no, insinu- you know, no insinuation with any of these names. Yeah. He's just a social media guru. He's yeah. always like sending out tweets, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, that could be a good one. Rooster Bros. Perfect. Roosters, the, I think they made a good choice. I think they avoided all the bad ones. I agree. <laughs> what would be your call sign if you had one, bro? I have no fucking idea. No? I don't think that's something, I don't know, something you're creating. I think that's something that you, somebody else creates I, I, like for you. Yeah. Yeah. Real deal. That's Sex it. appeal. Done. Fresher than the color, color teal. Fuck or what? All right, bro. The uh, we got we've made it to the Baba test here. Oh gosh, tell, yeah, yeah. Tell me, so you gotta bring the moment of it. When did you and Baba watch this? Like, bring, walk so, me through. So it. here's the thing. Okay, this cannot pass the Baba test yet. Okay, because Baba has not watched this movie. <gasps> but a couple nights ago, when I went back home to my family after work, I was watching Black Panther with them. My dad had never seen Black Panther, so I was like, let me get a possible future rewatchables movie and see if it passes the Baba test. About 15 minutes in the movie, he like yells at me from a crowd. The lights are off. Me, him, and my mom are watching this movie. It's like 9 o'clock at night. He just yells to me in living room voice, Vala, put on Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> I'm like, Dad, what the fuck? Like, it's one, it's in the movie theater. I don't have that kind of power. Yeah. Okay, I'm not. I can't just fucking like whir up, snap my fingers, and whatever you want comes on. I have close to that capability yes. with the streaming services, but absolutely, that's that's another conversation. So I think this honorably, tentatively passes the Baba test with confirmation soon to come. Are we okay with that? Absolutely. So I, I, you gotta say the problem is, man. Go catch that shit with Baba soon because all the fucking IMAX scenes and Dolby Cinema scenes or screens are going to be taken up by Jurassic World starting this weekend. Oh, that comes out this weekend. This comes out this weekend. So if you want to catch it, you got to catch it. No, it's gotten horrible reviews. So if you want to catch it with Baba, you got to catch that shit soon before all those uh, big, you know. Of course, you got to take Baba to IMAX or Dolby Cinema. You've been to IMAX. Treat yourself to Dolby Cinema at AMC as well. Yeah. As a man who grew up in Iran where television screens were, you know, scant. Um, seeing a movie in IMAX is an experience that I don't think he expected of this life. So wow. we'll do that. Absolutely. All right, bro. Uh, let's see. Switching from Baba to Mama, does this pass the Bechtel test? You know what the Bechtel... <sighs> Nabil, why don't you lay out the Bechtel test this time? I want to hear it from your point of view. I've educated you on this yeah. many a times. This is your quiz. Yeah, I do. So I think the Bechtel test is going to be around how many times a woman can what talk about something that's not about a man or anything related to a man, to a man's plot. 
Um, and if it passes, you know, if there's any, I think what, two or three times, it has to talk sometimes more than that, if I'm not uh, mistaken. But uh, you disappoint yeah. me, Nabil. I disappoint my, you. My lessons, I was a test master teacher. Apparently, I was not good enough. Sorry, Vala. It was the power you. of the Asian kids who got me my positive reviews. I'm sorry, bro. But. You have to have two female characters. They both have to be named characters. They have to have a conversation with one another that doesn't involve a conversation about another man. Close enough. <laughs> this movie is the anti-Bechtel test. I agree. Because we don't, we don't ever have a scene where... The only scene where two women are ever talking to each other are the Jennifer Conley and her daughter scene. That's like one time they speak to each other. And it's short. Every other time is between a woman and a man about a man. Absolutely. This is the anti-Bechtel test, but for some reason, it still works. Like again, the box offices prove that people want to see this shit. How you know they could have gone a different route and put a heavy focus on one of the fighters being like a female or being gay, or you know Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer had a romance, and now they've gone a different direction. <laughs> they could have done one of these woke things, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes the old formula just works. Yeah, and when you have a guy like Tom Cruise that. So many people can still identify with from the old era. Just stick to your guns. Don't yeah. try to fix a, don't fix something that ain't broke. Like yeah. we hear in basketball terms so often. And you know, despite it failing the Bechtel test, again, it doesn't feel like an anti-feminist movie. Yeah, I think I think the main thing that you can do is if if you can show women in cinema that are both fucking complete badasses and you know more importantly as well have an empathetic figure that lets out like the true emotional vulnerability of the character that we see with Maverick. Every emotionally vulnerable moment that, you know, Tom Cruise just fucking flexes chops, you know, showing that he is a thespian as well. You know, those happen with Jennifer Connelly, right? Like talking about, you know, why he doesn't let Rooster be the way he is, like the shit that he's going through and showing that he's actually human as well. You know, just Cruise again, showing that he's more than an action, an action hero. All those scenes happen with Jennifer Connelly. And out of all like the, you know, I would say like out of all the fighter pilots that you had, um, you know, that were kind of like not named Rooster and uh, Maverick. Uh, bro, Cyclone stole the show. Like, she was fucking amazing. I thought like, you know, with, like acting in, in you know, going, what, like Mach 2 really on, you know, in the fucking atmosphere. Like, she killed it. Like, it's really, you know, I don't think it's that difficult. Or, you know, rather being in, uh, in front of CGI to be able to pull off an acting scene like that. But for what it was, she fucking knocked it out of the park. So I think having a badass and having an empathetic figure that had something to do with the plot, I think wins out. Most appreciation from that standpoint. Yeah, I'm glad Meg Ryan didn't come back. <laughs> I agree. She would have taken a lot of the focus away. <laughs> I agree. You know, like all the burden of the emotional weight of Rooster was on Tom Cruise. What he did, what he told him, their relationship. I'm glad Meg Ryan didn't come in and steal that away from them. Okay. Um, let's see here, bro. Let's go to the Sixth Man Award. This is a simple one for me. I don't know who you picked. I don't know if you went the John Hamm route, which John Hamm is awesome, dude. Oh, he's John, John Hamm is like yeah. the institutional guy, just a slimy kind of like by the book rules guy who enforces shit. Like doesn't care if they come back alive or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, like the FBI dude in the town, yeah. right? Absolutely, Playing opposite yeah. of Affleck, for sure. and now here, my sixth man though, got to be Ed Harris, bro. Yeah, Ed, just Ed Harris in a military uniform is a fucking dub. Yeah, playing the Russian sniper as Major Koenig in Enemy at the Gates, or my personal one of my personal favorite movie characters of all time, 
fucking General Francis X Hummel. The Rock. In The Rock. Absolutely. Yeah. This was a continuation of that character, bro. I think so. Yeah. It literally felt I like this was if he him, survives yeah. and doesn't launch nuclear yeah. level weapons at San Francisco, this is who he becomes. Yeah, he gets promoted to Rear Admiral. But the thing is, like, <laughs> there's not that many actors I would believe as Rear Admiral of the U.S. Navy. And it's like, no, I believe it. Like, yeah. I, yeah, that's an admiral right there. I believe that shit. Yeah, no, I agree to that, bro. My other six man that I had was fucking Bob. Like, give me a better call sign that's more appropriate for any fighter named Bob. Like, this was the, the completely perfect type of comedic relief that you needed in, like, a, in a forum like that and that was broken. Felt, felt like a Deadpool character. Yeah. You know, like a Deadpool <laughs> joke. Like, what do you, Bob? What do you do? Uh, I'm just Bob. Bob. <laughs> All right. Fuck it. Fuck it. Yeah, you're my weapons engineer. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Well said. So, Bob and Ed Harris's characters. Well said. Uh, casting couch, bro. Let's play around with this Ooh. couch. What you got? Bro, so I got some funny ones. My okay. opinion. All right. So, I'm not going to lie. Imagine how much funnier this movie would be, just how much less seriously you would take it as anything, if Hangman was played by Aziz Ansari. <laughs> I'd wow. be laughing my ass off for day. I would never be able to take this shit seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my gosh. Aziz Ansari is, hey, is Hangman. I'd be laughing my ass off, bro. He saves the day. <laughs> Hello, this is your <laughs> savior. <laughs> This is your savior speaking. Or uh, thick Jonah Hill as Rooster trying to get oh, into an wow. F-18. Yeah, if you turn this into like a comedy, like a comedy action movie, like, this would be an interesting one to recast. recast. I think you could do like, um, what's his name? Who's the... J- Michael Sierra. <laughs> Not Michael Sierra. Who's the one that did that? James Planet? Franco. James Franco. Yeah. James Franco as Maverick, yeah. I think would That'd play very well. Yeah. Who could be like his son? His son? For... Like Rooster, like the son figure. Oh, okay. Younger guy, Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. Oh, we're just bolstering yeah, the staff just, up. Yeah, yeah, just staff it up. Okay. John Hamm's institutional character is like uh, the what's his Danny McBride, <laughs> right? <laughs> we're starting to we're starting to construct a good movie here. I like this. What if we did like a government movie? Again, we discussed like Trump would be the fucking general. Ooh, so who'd who play would, Trump? Who would? Oh, uh, Alec Baldwin. Who? Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin is yes. oh, it's done. Done. Like, come on now. Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and pass the script on. We'll make <laughs> make a little more money while we're doing this podcast too. Oh my god. Um, let's see. One of the new categories I had, we'll get to in a second here, but this last one, one of the last ones from our old categories. Bro, could we we discussed this off screen oh, and we we did <laughs> the unthinkable. We made it work. Even though it works every episode <laughs> we do. Can we fit a rock in it? Can oh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson find an appropriate role in this movie? Father, can you smell what the rock is cooking? I, sm- <laughs> Bruce, I smell it. Cook it up for me. Go ahead and Bro, give me the give me the actual. Give me saute. Rear Admiral the Rock. All right, the uh, Rock Rocky would replace John Hamm. He's the air boss. He's the air boss, bro. And every time little five foot seven Tom Cruise comes up to try to do anything with an F eighteen, the Rock grabs it. Gives it a rock bottom. And if you could smell the millions and millions of dollars going to the U.S. military, you could smell that the rock fucking rock bottom the shit out of Tom Cruise. Bro, the, the scene where they're all sitting there. They, Tom Cruise just got kicked out and John Hamm's giving them the new lesson. He's like, all right, your time is three minutes and your altitude is this much. And they're all like, dude, what? We're fucked. Damn. And then Tom Cruise comes flying in. He's like, all right, we're going to do this in two minutes. Altitude's 100 feet. Can you imagine if just like the rock's elbow comes out of the sky? (laughs) (laughs) And just rock bottoms the F-18 into the ground. Tom Cruise tries to like eject and his chute goes up. You see the rock bounce off one cloud. 
bounce off another and fucking people's elbow him again. <laughs> Beautiful. Just the, I think the scene is speaks for itself. It writes I itself. I agree. So well done. Oh man. Is there a prop from the movie you'd like? Uh yeah, give me one of those uh Sukhoi. No, no, give me yeah, give me the mock, you know, just for, yeah, I think just a flights. Jet. Yeah, I just I'll take that SR seventy two, the Mach ten one. Yeah. You know, if I'm trying to get to get some gas here with how expensive everything is, you know, I want to go in like point one seconds. Yeah. You go yeah. ten times the speed of light. Yeah, you know, fly to up. Miami in ten minutes, you know, what's a big deal? I want that beach football they were playing football with, bro. Anytime Beautiful. you're at the beach, anytime you're by a pool, if you have one of those, like your your salary stock goes up so much. You instantly become a max salary player Just at whatever that, party or gathering. You could pick up that shit. I think so, bro. Yeah. Okay. I think so. You show everyone your skills. Wow. Right. You try to get some action with the little black rubber football. Are we gonna see Cooper Cup in the next Top Gun movie now too? Natural football scene. Like, hey, if you're gonna do a real he's football, got, he's got the body. He's yeah. got the body for that. Scene. Tom Cruise is gonna throw a touchdown to Cooper Cup. Yeah. Okay. The the new stunt Cruise is gonna have to overcome is actually tackling. That's what he's trained his entire career for. <laughs> All right, new category, bro. This is the Who Dies First in a Horror Movie Award. Ooh. Where you take all the characters in this movie, and you think about, out of all of these, who's the first one that you think would die oh, in Hangman. a horror movie? Hangman. You think Hangman? Oh, 100%. Explain yourself. Ego, right? I think the fact of like Hangman would be the one, oh, like, there's nothing here, nothing to do, and he just gets his throat I slashed. I think leaving people, especially in zombie movies, bro, I think leaving people out to dry... Where like you've seen this in The Walking Absolutely. Dead, you've seen this in a lot of classic zombie movies, you can get away and like escape a lot of bad situations if you're willing to do that. I see Hangman as one of the last survivors, okay, because he's left a lot of his fellow survivors out to hang. Okay, I see it more of like if I was gonna see him in like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Michael Myers movie, and it would be him trying to you know show Maverick in this case to be either you know your Michael Myers or your other pro antagonist that you may have at that point. But him trying to pretty much prove that, hey, he can outgun him. And now McMurray just slid his throat, fucking throat. Like, yeah. Just like Tom Maverick does in the air. Yeah. I think Maverick would be the first to die. That's also true. I yeah. think it's a Quentin, in a Quentin Tarantino oh, gosh, twist, yeah. the guy who's the most well-equipped to survive and lead and has the most survivability instincts, I think he just gets offed first. Just before any of the outbreak or whatever even begins, he's done. <laughs> so I think Tom Cruise, Maverick, is the first to die here. Beautiful. Um, new category here. We used to have the category of, could this be a 10 episode Netflix series? Ooh, yeah. So we're changing that to, would you rather have this be a sequel, prequel, all black TV cast or documentary? Sequel, prequel, all, not a TV cast, but all black cast. Yeah. Give me the all black. Give me the sequel or like, uh, give me, give me a, give me a sequel to this. A sequel to this? Yeah. So you want Top Gun 3 now? Yeah, I want a spinoff. Like, obviously, no more, our cruise is not going to come back to it. So, like, take over with, like, the Hangman or Rooster. Give it, yeah. you know, give each one of them their own movie. Just, you know, do what Tom Cruise would. Make it better practical, you know, practical effects each time. And, shit, you just got yourself a franchise that's going to net you, like, you know, a billion dollars. Because everybody's going to watch that shit. Yeah. Like, you're telling me a better version of Maverick came out? Okay, let's go watch it. Yeah. I don't think you can do a prequel. Like, this is so yeah. good that the gap between this and Top Gun, no one really cares about. We want to see what happens going forward. Uh, documentary, like, nah. no, that's not digestible no. to the common man, especially in the world of aviation. So, yeah, I think sequel works for this better than anything else. An all black cast. I mean, didn't we have that? We did. That was a uh, red tails or something. Yeah, red tails. That was it. Yeah, we actually did have yeah. that. Obviously, the aviation scenes were nothing compared to this, but unfortunately, you know. All right, bro. We're at the part here. This is the last thing I want to do before we close this episode out. Top five war movies of the decade. 
I wonder if this cracks the list. I'm going to try to do off the top of my Go head a it. few. Okay. Fury. Okay. 1917. Yes. 100%. Dunkirk. Okay. This is where it starts to get difficult for me. Yeah. I have to like look up the other movies if I were to go any further. I don't consider Mission Impossible any of those war movies. I don't consider Mar- any Marvel movies war movies. Okay. So what else do you have to add to my definitive three that I don't think you can move? Top Gun Maverick? Let's hold on okay, to that one. Okay, so you said again, 1917, Fury, and uh, what was your third one? Dunkirk. Dunkirk, okay, I agree with that. For me, I'll always put Schindler's List on there. This is the last like decade. Oh, last decade, fuck. God damn. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 don't consider, I don't know if you consider Edge of Tomorrow a war movie. Nah. Okay, not at all then. Like real, like real life war movie. Oh, shit. Okay, like So actual... we might have to throw something like Imitation Game into it. Or American Sniper would American, count. Oh, uh, yeah, American Sniper was fucking great. Man, I agree with a lot of it, but whatever. But like, yeah, it was greatly done. Uh, Hurt Locker. I don't know if that was... No, that was yeah, that was 08. Yeah, fuck. What came out after that decade? Yeah, in the 2010s. So I think like... Hacksaw Ridge was 2016. If Hacksaw you Ridge throw is that. amazing, yeah. I wasn't a big fan. I thought it was a little in your face. Really? About the, I enjoyed it. About the message. There, there hasn't been a, like a, any um, satire war movies made this decade at all. No, there hasn't. funny. Like, we haven't had that this, this decade. Because Tropic Thunder was like, that, like the last attempt at that. Yeah. Which was all time, all time. No, yeah. I can't think of anything I, else. I think dude. we laid out the best ones, man. I think yeah. Lone Survivor is up there as well. Yeah, Lone Survivor We want to talk good. about that. So, Lone, Bridge of Spies. Oh, classic. no, of course. Yeah, that's going to be up there. No, Bridge of Spies Imita- automatically. Imitation games. game. No, no, Bridge of Spies moved automatically. That was Hank's just like flexing. Zero, zero Dark, Dark 30. 30. Those two. Yeah, Zero Dark 30 and, uh, and Bridge of Spies. Yeah, that's it. That was Jessica Chastain just fucking stealing the show. So, we're, we're saying that's yeah. it to a lot of movies. Give me five from the, since the 2010s to now. Bridge of Spies, for sure. Uh, Jessica T- uh, Chastain's Zero Dark 30. Um, Dunkirk, for sure. 1917 for sure. And I would have to make it a toss up between Fury and, and Maverick for me. Yeah. I think that's a pretty strong list. And that's pretty accurate to what I would do as well. Um, American Sniper and Lone Survivor. Too much nonsense propaganda yeah, mixed in there. Yeah, um, instead of wokeness. Literally the other spectrum of woke. Yeah. Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, a- I'm not, a, I'm really honestly, I hate to say it because I loved him in Spider Man. I'm not a huge, uh, What's his name? Andrew fan. Garfield. I'm not a huge Andrew Bro, Garfield. Guy. Did you ever watch uh, the movie that he made with um, uh, with Martin, Martin Scorsese? It was him. It was him and uh, Adam Driver made a movie together, and he just flexes chops in that movie. A Scorsese movie? Yeah, it was. A, it was a movie that came out, didn't do so well uh, in theaters, but I watched it in theaters with a good old troll, Matt Troll. Yeah. And it was one of the greatest like uh, Scorsese movies I think I've ever seen. There's no. I, we have to look this up after the episode. Yeah, for sure. All right, bro. How long do we go on Top Gun Maverick? An hour and five minutes. Not bad. Not yeah. bad. I mean, Tom Cruise, planes, hundred plus million dollar, hundred fifty million dollar budget. What can go wrong? The fact that I really want to like engage the fact from you, dude. Like, like I, I really think this was a trailer to the next two Final Mission Impossible movies. It kind of feels <laughs> yeah. that way, doesn't it? Because like everybody, I think everybody that you got to go watch Top Gun Maverick is gonna go watch the next Mission Impossible movie. And the fact of the matter that, you know, this is going to make like seven, eight hundred million dollars in the box office. Like Tom Cruise really wants to go out swinging in Mission Impossible over a billion dollars over here. Yeah. And why not? Like this is the first Mission Impossible movie where it's going to be a part one. Yeah. To something else. Like what 
what could possibly happen for that to occur? They found out that Cruz can't do this for another five years, so Cruz is getting, just whip out two right now and call it quits. It's like, yeah, I tore my meniscus, and once that happens, the ACL goes, and you know we're on a we're on a timeline here. This is like the biological clock of a woman in her twenties, right? <laughs> 62-year-old Tom Cruise telling you, I'm, I'm we, there, Baba. We just, we just lost our 4% female <laughs> demographic. Oh, All right, bro. Yeah. That's it. The show. Top Gun Maverick. It's an experience, bro. One of the best movies of 2022. Tom Cruise, I love you. And to the viewers, we say, bye. is inevitable maverick you kind of set it for extinction maybe so sir but not today